Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another another episode of a totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mona, and you're my co-host, Aiden. How's it, guys? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you guys are listening from. Uh, we're going into the third round FA Cup tie against Blackpool. It was a long way away from being, you know, that romantic third round FA Cup type of game with the magic of the uh, um, small club fans getting behind the club since Blackpool actually were probably rooting for this side to lose since they um not happy with the current owner at the club and Arsenal as well outnumbering the home fans, making it a much easier atmosphere for Arsenal to play in. I mean, it actually started somewhat tricky. I mean, I was not really expecting that because, I mean, I thought it was not going to be, you know, us from the get-go having it, giving it to them. But it's like, we, I think we had an early chance, I think some like third minute that could be Eddie Nketiah squandered. Yes. And then, you know, minute or so after that, uh, one of that uh, Blackpool players, I forgot which player it was now. Yeah, I think that's Dumbia when he like um, wormed his way through to yeah. like a Peter Chick save. And, you know, it was again a case of Arsenal players was left sprawling all over the place because Lichsteiner totally was, you know, had misjudged the, 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 not only the player, but, you know, the type of footwork that the guy was using to waltz past him. And I mean, for the majority of the game, he was actually one of our worst players because I still remember on on it could have been Twitter where people were actually you know really slagging him off because he was misjudging the balls in the air, he was losing you know players he's supposed to mark, and many were thinking like you know where does he actually fit into this team if you know if he can't even handle uh what like, league one side yeah league one side yeah, yeah so. He, I think his confidence has been shocked over the yeah. past few games. And I think it's just going from bad to worse now. Um, we take the lead on the on 11 minutes when a Ramsey free kick was deflected onto the post. The ball rebounded to Willock, Joe Willock, who you know had an easy tap in the open goal. And, uh, just a, just an interesting stat. Um, uh, he's the youngest player since Aaron Ramsey to score for Arsenal in the FA Cup since 2010. Oh, interesting. Didn't know that. Um, we then go ahead further in the, what was it, 38th minute? Or 30th, yeah. No, sorry, 32nd. 37th Yeah. Uh, when, I think it was a cross from... Jenkinson. Yeah. It was Jenkinson. It was a nice, it was nice work down there because I think he won the ball, played, it was a... Because even the guy played it and then he played it back to Jenkinson to whip it across... I mean, I, I actually couldn't believe he, he managed to squeeze the ball in because, I mean, that angle was very acute for, you know, when Willock backed his second goal. Yeah, it was a bit tight. I feel Willock uh, put a good performance in for us. I just think um, Nketiah was a bit wasteful. He had, a, like, a few glorious chances and he just couldn't find the back of the net. And I mean, uh, I think what, what, to, uh, you know, somewhat infuriated me. I mean, I'm not going to say I was just, like, angry about it, but, I mean, it was, like, clear-cut, and it was, carved, you know, perfectly carved out chances for him. You know, it was, like, laying it on the plate. Like, you yeah. know, there you go, score now. And, I mean, for me, since I went through that era, I mean, you as well, with, with Francis Jeffers, it reminded me <laughs> something like that, where, you know, everybody in the team was, uh, you know, trying to get him that, that goal, you know, just to get his name finally on the score sheet. And it's like, no matter how many 
times with like rolling the ball to him or you know uh, playing the killer pass to him. He was always fluffing his chance. And I mean, for me, it's like watching Nketiah at times. I mean, look, no, no doubt he's prolific in the you know under twenty threes and that. But I, I just I don't know for me it's not like a step too far for him at the moment. You know the way things are going at the moment because I was expecting he was now yeah, with Welbeck out gonna you know work his magic finally get some goals under the belt but I think it's like he's going to be left by the wayside once you know that that backup forward we eventually want comes in then he's going to be you know left in the dark I think so too I think maybe he just needs to play with a bit of a calm aid you know it feels mm. like he's trying too hard and and when you become like desperate trying too hard with things in, in everything in life in general stuff just doesn't pay off because you start you know every time you just try maybe scuffing a shot yeah, you try, you know. So it's it, it's it's like you just need to, you know, maybe get that one goal again and just to break the duck off his back, like just to ease it again. And then, you know, I think at the moment he's playing with the piano on his back with all that pressure on him. Because, I mean, I watched him now in, in, in training the other day. And I mean, he was, you know, very clinical with his chances. I mean, they were, you know, playing quite tough passes to him and he you know he was like bide, uh, was biding his time and then just shifting it calmly past the play but for me it's almost like he, that that moment gets to him you know on the like, on that big stage and then it's like he just like chokes up his chances he's not really like, as you said he's not cool and calm with the finish so i think you know that angle of oh that side of his game you should really brush up on but i mean as i said long term i'm not really sure because you know that's why it takes a hell of a lot for you know, any player to come through from an academy to actually, you know, cement their place into a, a first team, especially yeah. these days with Arsenal. Yeah, you, you you can't see him literally. I know he did it, it was in the FA Cup, I mean, not FA Cup, the EFL Cup last season, but you can't really see him now, like, in general, like, coming on or playing a game where you know that this guy is going to take the game to the opposition. I'm not saying he's going to necessarily, you know, score a trick or, you know, mm-hmm. what, but, like, causing a defense of... Burnley or Fulham or, or West Ham, you know, causing problems with his quick feet or something like that. Um, if he must come up against like those teams, I think he will be even more lost. Mm. Um, we then, you know, kill the game off on 82 minutes when again, Ramsey, I mean, Ramsey was actually playing quite a, a good game, especially now that it looks like the few East futures now finally sorted now with that, that end of season move to Juventus. Um, Ramsey plays the ball, forces the a save from the keeper. And, oh, no, that's, sorry, not from the keeper. I think it deflects against one of the players of, of Blackpool. And then the ball, like, you know, just breaks towards Iwobi, where it's, again, a simple near, near uh, close range finish to, you know, seal the game and knock, uh, put us into the next round. And you, is- of course, you know we play in the next round, right? Yeah, Man United. Uh, <laughs> not the- not the game I was looking for, because isn't it like our next few fixtures? It's like Chelsea. Uh, like after the obviously the West Ham game, we can discuss, but it's like Chelsea, and then I think it's United between another game as well. So or, you know, I mean, I, but after yeah, Chelsea. I, I don't mind that at the moment, like, you know, because you also don't know what, uh, you know, as, as, as iffy as we can be on a match day. I think also sometimes you don't know what to expect of Chelsea, because sometimes Chelsea have been also you know, just scraping the 1-0 wins and that. And then you have Man United also, okay, they're on that high with 
Solskjaer, but they also haven't played any. I mean, for me, to see United's character is going to probably be tomorrow's game when they play Tottenham. I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. So, because they played like that, I just feels with Cardiff. Yeah. So, and the Bournemouth as well. Away from home, which is not, you know, the, the most threatening team away from home. So, I know we can't take it too much to heart about, you know, playing United. And we've had some classical FA Cup ties against United. But uh, I just hope this one we come out the top. I mean, uh, what I did see was based on that, you know, I'm sorry we're now hopping on too much on this thing, but um, United fans are somewhat upset because since the Football Association have shifted the match to a Friday night, which means, um, I mean, unless United fans can, you know, say knock off early, those that, are, those that work and that, unless they can knock off early, uh, the majority of them could pitch up even uh, second off only. Because you say traveling by Hyatt coach, those that are traveling by train and stuff like that, there are going to be so many delays, especially coming into London. They could have a problem where they're going to have like a, a way block that's like half full for the for the time. Let's just hope uh, we can take advantage of that because I know that if they cup the away team gets like you know a bit more sales in in the Premier League, right? Something like yep. that where they get a bit they get more. They get the full stand. I think. So let's just hope we can take advantage of that because I know the Emirates sometimes when things don't go too well, you know the away fans could be out singing us. Hmm. Um, so we switch our attention now to the West Ham game for this afternoon. Uh, both teams erratic form, you know, wins, losses mixed in with, and draws mixed in with the, the last five, yeah, five games. Uh, it's a case of tenth versus fifth. Um, a win for us, you know, could somehow put a bit of pressure on Chelsea again. Even though, look, Chelsea also have kind of winnable games this afternoon, but. You know, just for us to always keep that sort of pressure on, because you know, you never know if they slip up, or you know, or also a case of you know starting to just get that distance also between us and Man United because yeah. things are also tightening up from that side as well. I think we need a, a Spurs kind of win, and also we need to beat uh, West Ham, um, West Ham as well, we, um, because we need Spurs. Like you said, sorry, Chelsea to be looking over their shoulders all the time. Like, you know, yeah. Arsenal must put that with a breathing down in it to show them, like, you know, you guys go 1 0 down in the game, you guys are more pressure to try to score and make it 1 0 just so that we can, you know, try to be behind them. So, and psychologically, when you your game, the early game, and the team has to play afterwards, they're suddenly now looking at the lock and thinking, flip, we have to win now. It's not the case of, you know, no pressure, let's go out there. And that can be the case if West Ham win the game or draw, and then you'll see a, maybe a much different relaxed Chelsea side. I just wonder the mindset also of the West Ham players because Marco Natovic has been um, linked to the move to China. And I think a few other players also have been, you know, somewhat disgruntled at, at the, whole, the way the things are playing out at, at West Ham, even though, you know, it promised much. But, I mean, uh, Emery now comes up against Pellegrini, who's also had actually a good record against him. So, it's going to be a good, also, tactical battle to see, you know, between these two coaches. And uh, I know it's going to be a very intense game because for those bet betting men out there, the odds of the game is like, come on, double your money back on Arsenal, which is quite reasonable. Mm -hmm. And just shows how intense this game could be. I mean, it could be, you know, 
a silly Arsenal mistake or or West Ham mistake, which could get the upper hand in the game. Well, I just think if we can dominate, especially in defense, because look, they're gonna normally throw the giants up at us. Yes. You know, Anatovich will put his body about, and I mean, if Andy Carroll comes, he normally just you know smashes people left and right <laughs> when he spears the attack. So you know that is where I think we should be cautious. But I think in attack and even midfield, we should be you know creative enough to see off West Ham. I just worry about that Felipe Anderson guy. He's quite you know a solid addition that they added to his team. Yeah, One of the guys actually that stepped up, that's his deliveries are potent, like from set pieces and corners also. So I think we need to watch out there, but I do think we, we, we can't let him get too much of a head of steam. I mean, if we can, you know, start, we can only mention against Southampton once when we play them. We need to, like, you know, not allow them to dictate the game and, you know, let Arsenal, if we fall behind against the case of chasing the game, I think it's a new year. Hopefully, there's a new game plan in terms of, like, not falling behind in the games. Um, we switch also now attention to uh, injury news. Uh, some good news finally for us. Um, six players uh, will be making their return. Uh, Mr. Ozil, Kosielny, Hector Bellerin, Kostas Mavropanos, Mustafi and Monreal, all in match training this past week. Um, the other question is who Emery will now trust you know, to come back into the first 11 and we will now probably include on the bench as well. So, you know, looking forward to seeing Hopefully, a, a very, very strong side this afternoon. I think a Bellerin needs to come into the team. I think the rest of the other guys, you know, I wouldn't maybe rush them into the game because you don't want to know that with the games coming up of importance, you don't want to, you know, rush players in and then they pick up injuries and you miss them out for another three months. And this is, you know, the business end of the season coming up. So I think maybe a Bellerin, I would be happy with him. He starts I think we are, you know. I know Maitland Niles has been doing a good job, mm. but I do think also, like, you know, we need that balance or that pure pace. And like we mentioned in the ratings or the mid-season podcast, I mean, Paladin's been one of our better players this season. I mean, uh, one thing I do also hope for, in, in, especially this afternoon's game, I just hope we don't go too much, um, you know, throw, throw too much caution to the wind because if we're going to have some, like, you know, Xhaka, Torreira, um, Gwendozi, then I mean, you're not going to really have that, that uh, creative outlet, and I think that is what we're going to need against West Ham, who will probably try to, you know, either play the two banks of four or, you know, do that, that, that like a three, five, one thing where they will just try to flood that, that midfield to constrict us. So I think sometimes there you need that, you know, person with a bit more creativity to, you know, because I mean, someone like that, like I say, Ozil or Ramsey, could create, you know, set up somebody like. Obama Young or Lacazette for chances because their their mindset are you know I'm gonna finish this but they just need that sort of creative creativity to set them on their way. I think preferably a Ramsey in this type of game you know because it's not gonna be a very like an open free flowing. I think it's gonna be a very hard tackling game. It's also a, a London derby as well, so you know there could be a bit of you know fierce tackles going in here and then. I don't think it's a game that maybe suits Uzel. Maybe if the game opens up a bit more, if they need to, you know, Arsenal go 2 0 up and West Ham start chasing, then maybe a Uzo would be nice to just, you know, set up Bamiyang for the. Because, I mean, do we think the last few years, you know, on our trips to, to West Ham, uh, normally we try to take the game away from them very early? Yes. It, yes. Sometimes it seems like, you know, you, you need even just one or even two goals and you've completely taken the wind out of their sails because then it's not like they have to now open up. 
they leave themselves, you know, exposed all over the pitch, you know, leaving pockets open for especially creative players or wingers to cause serious damage. Speaking about wingers, I hope we uh, make a, a bid for some wingers in the, in the transfer window. Yeah, that's now also what I'm going to switch towards now. Um, regarding the club with the finances, especially with Una Emery coming out on, was it Wednesday, with regards to uh, the club not having, you know, money to sign players. So we, you know, we are like open to loaning in players. So, you know, it almost like let, left a lot of Arsenal fans in shock, you know, knowing like, you know, we're going to go into this with almost like just making little loan deals to see us out for that four or five months of the season. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, you know, a club of Arsenal stature to say we cannot sign anybody. And I mean, only loan players because of, um, you know, apparently they said because of the enormous wage bill at Arsenal and also the amount of signings, big signings over the last 12 months. But like, I have some, like, you know, rough figures here. The We spent what on a bombing, was it for 57 million? Yeah. And if I look also this, this summer, we spent 70 million on, on the five players we brought in. I mean, I think Fulham even spent more than us this summer. So, like, coming out and saying, you know, the club doesn't have money to spend because of X, Y, and Z. I mean, like, where is the money going then? If, oh, but, uh, if you know, one, one thing I also want to, you know, give props to is, is Una Emery because he, from the get-go, it's like he's putting it out there that, you know, I'm not to blame for this. I'm I'm here yeah. to, you know, to, to try to rebuild. I'm tired. I'm here to to try to develop the squad with you know make do with what I have, but uh, it's like I mean I I like the fact that he's not putting it out there because you know so that people also know it's not management that's really the problem like the the, the the head coach that's the problem, it's the way you know the finances have been running in the past and I think that is now all also caught up to us because look we've tried to abide by financial fair play rules, likes of City and them and and Chelsea. Even uh, not Tottenham that much, but like say United, they've gone way over with you know uh, with the spending, and yet we try to abide by the rules and whatever. And yet almost like it feels like we get shafted now because you know we always trying to 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 do the cost cutting and 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 you know trimming this and trimming that. But I mean the other teams that have now spent exorbitantly have actually shot through. You know, I'm like. Uh, they was like a season or two away from even trying to catch up to them. The amount of you know the way they've spent because it's not they didn't just spend for spend sake. They also you know they bought in people that are actually going to make an actual difference. Because when you look at at, at the sort of forwards that that uh, say City or Liverpool have invested in, you know they can carry you to a trophy no matter who, uh, you know which one of the the, the four that's out there. Yeah. But they can carry you to that because. They can single-handedly turn games for you and win it for you, even if it's a tough, tough, tough game. And that is what we don't have. It's not like if if our outlet or, or our players are, uh, you know, starved of of um, you know, through balls and stuff like that. Then I'm like, there's nothing coming really from us. And that is with with things also needs to change with with regards to the way we are bringing in players because it's time that we do start investing a bit more to show, you know, we can. Fight with the big boys. Well, yeah, we, we have to, like, times have changed and you have to either get with it or fall behind. I mean, we have to spin. I know it's, uh, you know, we try to 
abide with the rules, but you can't anymore. You have to go big. I mean, if, if you look at the other clubs, what they've spent over the past few seasons, yes, sometimes the the risk doesn't pay off, but you have to. Otherwise, you know, they say if you don't buy the lottery ticket, you'll never win. Mm. So we, we're going to have to take the risk. I mean, you see, um, I'm spending like 56 million pounds on the Palmer Yang. You can see like the difference is made to the team, like with the goals he's brought. Yeah. So I think we're going to have to start spending more because we, we obviously, we're also letting players go for cheap. I mean, Jack Walsh, I know he was injury prone, but his free transfer, Aaron Ramsey, free transfer, Alexis Sanchez. Yes, we got Mkhitaryan out the deal, but you could have at least gotten, you know, 40, 50 million from him. Mm. So if you add those together, it's like, you know, you could have got close to maybe 100 more for the three players and then you have reinvestment. But, I mean, for a club that's so, you know, we're doing things the right way. We're trying to make profit and stuff. They're making very, like, very much losses on what we're selling. So it's, I, the irony in that is they don't want to spend that, like, they don't want to spend for players, but they're willing to take losses on players going for free. So where's the logic in that? Because, I mean, as I was mentioning to you earlier when we had our private talk, um, like Arsenal and Middlesbrough are the only two English clubs that are self-sustained. So, I mean, it tells you, uh, you know, a big story of how other clubs are getting, you know, how are they getting funded and why should we not still be left out in the dark? Because for me, it's almost, especially when you look at, at, at what the top four, you know, what, what people are now rate as the top four, they almost like in a sort of league where they almost like, pulling away and we starting to scrap around in, in, in a mini league with, with the likes of say Everton and yeah. the like, you know, say the current United squad and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I would like us to, you know, aim higher, you know, go for that, really go for that, that, that top four, but also to do that, you need that quality that takes you to that, you know, that tips you over into that, that category. We, we need something like that. I know they said in January, you know, it's not maybe a good time to buy. Players are overinflated. You know, we don't have money to buy now. It's loan, like loan deals. But sometimes you need that player or two now in January to get you to the Champions League. You know, you might they might be able to play in Europa League as well. So you have players who can do that. And then, you know, give the squad a bit of a lift, you know, to give that final burst towards the end of the season. And I mean, you know, it also shows you now. To get into the Champions League. It shows also now how not being in the Champions League has also hamstrung us. Because now it's like, you know, you have to now also count your, you know, the, the money now, like how exactly. Because look, before we were getting Champions League every time, but we were still penny pinching. Yeah. You know, that was almost like at the point where we actually needed a Raul Salenyi or a Sven Bislin, that you know, that, 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 say the last seven or whatever years, that could have actually actually made use of that money, you know, thinking, okay, now we're going to get this quality, that quality player. Now it's like, yes, we've gotten the quality, but now we've almost like blown the load with, you know, all the, the, the budget type of thing. So now it's all yeah, like, because we have to wait for the summer budget again to, to kick in. That's because we have some mediocre players on like relatively high wage bills and now it's become, you know, Emery's problem now to get the players out as well because we've offered some... um like you said, like before, like it's been difficult for us to sell players to other teams because of the wages that other teams wanting to offer. Then we stuck with Deadwood in the club. Because yeah. I mean, look, there were the club was also open to letting Ozil go, but the the problem is again, who's going to pay that three fifty million? Uh, sorry, three fifty thousand a week. So that is again, you know, making everybody like of the especially the big clubs that can't afford that. 
they're thinking now, I mean, if we see these performances, especially away or whatever, they're not going to, you know, blow that amount of money. So I just think to myself, somewhere there has to be some sort of balance between are we either going to somehow integrate Ozil into the, the the setup of Emery, where he has to also for himself, you know, show that he can put in a shift, especially where we need him physically. Because, I mean, as much as this, a lot of people always say, yeah, you, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do this because he's a creative player. You do need to put a shift in. Because, I mean, I've seen the most creative players at, at Chelsea. I've seen the most creative players at, at, at Tottenham, at, at uh, Man City, United. They put their foot in the goat. They try to help. I mean, they might make a fool of themselves, but they're going to try to get that ball back or whatever, try to win it back and show some physicality. But I think that is where... Ozil is almost like he becomes his own worst enemy. Uh, I, I think, like you mentioned, now they have to integrate Ozil in. They're spending what three fifty thousand pounds a week. I mean, that money is going to waste. You need to try to get you know a return on your investment with everything you do. So, as pointless they throwing that three fifty at him every week and he's not delivering. So now, as a coach, you have to think, okay, I'm spending X amount on this player a week. We need to try to make use of this. Else, this money is going to waste. So, we need to try to, you know, maybe adjust the formation. Just, you know, kind of playing style. I'm not saying, you know, you have to bend over backwards every time, but, you know, just have to get the better, best out of him. I mean, I remember when Wenger, you know, tried that, was it like a 4 3 3 or something like that? So, that he allowed almost Fabregas to have that free role. And, you know, it, it, it brought the best out of him for that season and season mm. and a bit. Yeah, because when I look at also the, the way the, the, so the squad is set up when he, especially like when, when Ozil was at Madrid. I mean, he was thriving there because he had, you know, somebody like Kadira and them behind him. And not, so something like he had somebody always watching his back. So he could, you know, do his damage up front. He didn't need to do that much, say, tracking back. But I mean, that is where you need, but that is again where you need the discipline of, you know, somebody with that Kadira mindset again. You know, we don't have that because look at the last few weeks in the podcast that we've been discussing. We, our supposed holding midfields are finding themselves so high up the field they can't even track back in time when we're being hit with a route one ball. I mean, according to position, if I was Arsenal, maybe it would have been worth a gamble, you know, just uh, bringing in Kadera for Ramsey kind of thing, just mm. just, just, just somebody to, you know, have that experience and maybe Torreira could learn a bit from him. Mm. Yeah, because I still think, look, Torreira is still raw in that, you know, certain things to his game, which same with, with um, Gwendozi. Sometimes he does those rash things in the middle of the park and loses position. And that is the type of sloppiness that needs to be, you know, almost like totally eradicated from the team because that, it's almost like uh, from the defense, look, it starts already in the defense when they, yeah. they're mucking about and, that, and then it start, you know, it's like starts seeping to the midfield. And then from when it starts seeping in there, you got two isolated or three isolated attacking players so counted for nothing. So you know that uh, tactical side also needs to be somehow fixed with us. But uh, other thing I wanted to add with regards to the finance story, uh, I just had a look at and I did like a little breakdown of the money that uh, Man City have pumped into the, the club, Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool. Um, Sheikh Mansour of Man City he pumped in about one point two billion. Uh, Chelsea with Abramovich, 520 million. Man United with the Glazers, 318 million. And Liverpool with Fenway Sports, 
257 million. So this is now money that's come from the owners, you know, as a, you know, inverted commas, uh, alone, you know, to the club. But I mean, you know, they eventually they generate that revenue within no time, within, you know, if you think of all of the ways the, the clubs are getting financed, or they were like from TV rights, from yeah. being in European competitions, they do, you know, recoup all the, the majority of that again. So that is why, I, that's what I don't get for somebody like, like Stan Krunke. I mean, the man has so many sports enterprises, and yet he's not willing to think, look, Arsenal's probably my best bet to actually go. Because look, of, of all his teams, we have now won how many FA Cups now with his, yeah. under his ownership. So I think, you know, three, I think yeah. yeah, so go to the next level and think, okay, yeah, I'm going to plonk in about like 350, 400 million. There you go. Like, you know, get what you guys need. Because look, as you said, I think before, things are going to also come cheap to us, you know, to, to get through success. In the past, it could slide, but in, in modern football, it does not anymore. Uh, those things are gone. And and the problem now is if we the, the boy not in Champions League, the higher we're going to have to spend because so-called is the holy grail of, you know, um, club football. So if, if you're not going to have Champions League football, pay me to come play for you then. And that's how, no, I'm not saying we must do what City did, but mm. they almost had to, like, you know, buy the best over-the-odds players to get to the Champions League. So we're going to have to find a way to get to the Champions League. It's either via, like, you know, Uku by Krukak via the Europa League, or we're going to have to, you know, that to spend big now, somehow, and that to get us back in there. And then, you know, let the return on investment pay off itself, you know, with the TV rights. Because, I mean, uh, with... Um... Pays off alone, the signings of players. You know, with, with regard to the, the transfer budget say for next season, I really think that like whatever chunk it's gonna be, like if it look sometimes it's normally in that ninety to hundred and fifty million range that we now have, you know, to spend. But I just think that you know that the chunk of that must be really used on on um, you know, like just I'm just talking about that money alone that that's say given as as transfer budget. You have to spend on one or two quality defenders. And then you use maybe, you know, when you start selling off, like, you know, when you start uh, freeing the wage bill of, like, say, Jenkinson, Welbeck will be probably off. Um, you know, a few others. I know Monreal is going to now be offered a one-year extension because that looks like quite positive, the talk of that. But, I mean, if, if you clear, there's different ways of recouping money again to, you know, add to, again, the, the salary budget so we can maybe look for players that are, Maybe free, but like top players that are out on, on on free, or you know, we can actually get good prices for them. I'm not saying now, you know, the, the very cheap type, but you know, it's a reasonable price because at the moment, it's like your average player goes for about 30 million, and, and you only start getting the quality when you start eating the 45 50 million for players minimum. Look, I, I think you like, you know, the idea of spending big in. Um summer on defenders could work like you know if we get the carrasco deal sorted out like a loan deal now even and then um we can get the likes of dennis suarez i mean if you get him now in january and they're performing well you know what you're gonna get there sign them up and then you know um they go big on defenders in the even defenders and another you know bad tough tackling midfielder then you have your your wide players sorted out as well killing like many birds with one stone but like, I would prefer if we bought, you know, Carrasco and spent the money on him one time, know mm. that he's going to join the club. Because, uh, you know, with, with regards to the, the cash windfall for 2019-2020 season, look, it's, it's going to be 
look, our league position, it's like money coming for that. The Adidas deal kicks in. Um, then it's also, you know, how our Europa League campaign goes. And I mean, you know, even if we can get through and like, you know, the back door and get in the Champions League through that, I would even be happy for that. Because for me, it's almost like that Champions League money could be the thing that can help us, you know, kick on, really kick on. Because look, it's not going to come from the, uh, the the owner. I mean, unless it's some weird surprise, we all get you know blindsided on. But other than that, the money, the the majority of the money will have to then come from the Champions League, and that's probably the only route at the moment. If we don't put our socks up in the in the Premier League, the problem is with Arsenal anymore. Like you know, I remember like I don't know often like you know in the past, but we're no longer battling with clubs to get players anymore. It's more like you know. Um, Chelsea goes in, you know, Tottenham goes in, Arsenal, you know, backs away. Before, yeah. like, we were, they had the thing, like, okay, we're going to blow them out the water and this player is going to come to Arsenal. Yeah, but I mean, it actually looks like now they're starting to scrap for it because there are some teams that are after that Dennis Suarez, there are some players after Carrasco. But, you know, they the way Arsenal are selling themselves now to the, the player or players, it actually looks more positive than, like, as, you know, that, that period now between that where we were bossing, you know, fighting for players. And, and then look in that period where that, that latter part of the Wenger era was when we would almost like let everybody take their pick of top players and then we would come in and almost like take the leftovers. Type of thing. Yeah. You know, that was also not helping the club in general, you know, doing stuff like that. So after like that, especially my mind always goes back to that 8-2 defeat when we go on this, you know, that, that as they call it, the trolley dash, where we were just randomly taking, like, I don't know, how many players was to be bought on this? Five, something like that. Like Ateta, Bertesacker, Park, Park, Benayoun, and Andre Santos. Yeah, so, I mean, we don't want a scenario like that. <laughs> Rather, like, you know, make some sense, bring in some quality now, we'll say two or three loan signings, and let's see how, you know, they carry us through to the end of the season. Well, they always do, give you know, that major love, just, mm. you know, till that last part. So I wish you guys on the end of now. I uh, hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Hope the, positive, the result goes positive way this afternoon against West Ham. Fingers crossed. And all the best for the weekend, guys. Hope you listen and share. Thank you and bye. Enjoy the game, guys.